So just um, a wee update from me this morning. Last year, I asked if you would all pray for our referrals. Um, we were really struggling to get into big agencies like the Jobs and Benefits Office and um, other big agencies that we really wanted to partner with us and refer people to us because they were encountering people who were in debt and maybe just leaving them in that situation or asking them for more money or taking money from them and deducting money from their money that they were getting. So it's really exciting. We've had like really big progress. So thank you so much for praying into that because really God, it's only God has broken that down and helped us find staff in there that are willing to work with us and help refer people so we can <clears throat> reach more people who are actually really struggling. Um, we've had lots more people come forward this year than ever before. All my appointments have been fully booked this year, which is amazing. It's blessing. We're, I am so busy. And I love that, that less people are sitting at home worrying and struggling on their own. <clears throat> I'm booked right up until the end of November as well, which is great. Um, but we still want, we still know there's more, there are more people out there struggling. So just pray for what our next moves are. Pray for more people to come forward and what else we could be doing to help people. Um, I, I did tell you all last year that um, we were struggling to balance people's budgets. And I only thought we were really struggling to balance people's budgets because I would say since May, um, I have had one letter come back where we can actually balance somebody's budget, where people have an option to get out of debt and everybody else is a hold. And to explain what that is, we put people on hold for three months to try and see, does their situation change? Can we do anything? Is there something else, some other way we can boost their income? And we will always try and do that. Um, but those are really difficult letters to take to somebody because we love that there's always a solution. That's our thing at CAP. We reach out and we help, and there's always a solution. And it's really hard to say actually there isn't a solution for you until we find some way <clears throat> to boost your income, to find more money. And like an example of one of those, I had somebody who needed to boost their income by £400 a month. And I don't think I could do that. I don't know if I could find £400 to boost my income. So it is getting trickier and trickier. I'm having to reach out to other agencies or try and become an expert on finding where we can get extra money from. So I'd really love it if you did pray into that. I mean, being a part of CAP is being a part of the solution, not just that we're locally here, but CAP is such a big entity as well in the whole of the UK. And it's about lobbying our government and asking them to to raise the the benefit system to look at all of that to review all of that to look at the cost of living and see are we are people actually able to to keep a roof over their head and keep food in their cupboard because that person who had to raise their income by 400 pounds it wasn't so that they could pay off their debt 
It was just so their budget would balance, so they still weren't actually going to have very much left to pay off debt. So that's just an example, and that was quite an extreme one. <clears throat> and we do have lovely cases as well, that by the time I get to somebody, that a family member has stepped in and been able to help. And like that's just amazing. It's so amazing. And we always pray for the miraculous to happen. Um, but then that feeds into the next thing that I would really like you to pray for. This year, more than ever, I have come across loneliness. And um, years ago, in what feels like another life, I studied nursing. And I remember one of my lecturers saying that one of the biggest killers was going to be loneliness in the future. And it's, it's like, it's really weird to be here and see that loneliness is a massive issue. Like to go into people's homes where they're not well enough for me to bring a befriender with me. So they maybe bring a sister or maybe there's nobody. They just have nobody. And actually have had m more than three people say to me this year, I really just need a friend. And like we can do that. We can do that. I have made friends through my job in CAP. And there is the possibility to do that. CAP offers us that opportunity to share Jesus. But Jesus comes alongside people. And we all have the ability to befriend somebody. And it's not this, ask any of my befrienders. It's not this big task where you have to spend hours and hours with somebody. It's maybe taking them to the shop or lifting something in the shop and calling in to see them and just reaching out in some way. It's really not a massive task to be a befriender. And I am really grateful. I have, I have a big group of befrienders. I have a big group of folks who help as well. But there's always room for more. And I suppose I've been thinking as well, like loneliness being such a big issue, what can we as Cornerstone, what can we do about that? And I don't mean that I have the answer to that. I mean, I'm asking you, is there something that you think we could be doing? And come and speak to me if you think there's something that we could be doing to really break into loneliness. It is something that I think COVID has probably really highlighted. And we knew that people were going to come forward. People were going to have been struggling during COVID. And like it's three years since COVID, like three and a half years. And really now I feel we're really seeing the effects of it and, and how broken people are and how people have been sitting on the issue of money. Um, and things like, it was so lovely to hear Emily share all about this Christmas event because that is just music to my ears because that's something I can really be inviting people to. And <clears throat> that's another thing, like befrienders, if, is it just that you provide a lift for somebody that is a CAP client or somebody that I know in the community who needs a lift to come to an event like that so that when they come through the door, they recognize other faces apart from just me. Because um, there are so many of us, and I think it's really something that we could break into. And church events and things like that that reach out to our community are just so important. They're so important for people to know that we care. And 
Like Jesus calls us to do that. And I know Marcus is going to talk about all of that this morning, but um, like, do come and talk to me if there's something you think we could be doing better. Um, the whale is busy as well. There, there's just a constant flow of food comes in and food goes out. Uh, so we are always collecting, and there is a box out in the foyer. Um, and even though all these things seem very negative, it is so lovely. Even I was on a visit the other day, and I was able to bring a befriender with me. And it was so lovely because we prayed with this person before we left. And they were just like, re they're really struggling with their faith, really struggling with being hurt. But they were just like, I actually feel like a relief. Just they feel really comforted by you praying. And being able to say to them, well, actually, it's really great because it's that's that's Jesus actually like putting his arms around you uh, when we leave that stays here so it's not never about us and us being here with you that that Jesus really does break through and when we go into people's homes we always pray that God's presence will stay and be there and be a comfort and be a rest um, that people don't feel lonely and that that's really tangible but there is more that we can do and being God's words and actions. So do come and speak to me if you want to be a part of our CAP um, or part of the whale. Um, or if you have any questions, uh, you know who I am now for anybody who didn't know me. So uh, yes, I'll let Marcus speak. Thanks, Emily. And thanks to Joe for sharing. Just as I begin, or before I begin, can I say just two things? <clears throat> One is, please be praying for Joe. What Joe is involved in is not something that she can just switch on and switch off. She doesn't just leave a house and switch off. That remains in her mind. And so will you please, can we please be praying for protection over Joe's mind and emotions in what she does as she visits broken people who are, um, who are desperately in need. So please let's be constantly praying for her. For her. And then <clears throat> can I ask you to be praying for our outreach event? We need to make contact with people in this town. We as elders, we've been at church going now for years. And whilst we are, whilst we love all of you, the vast, vast majority of us, including myself, live outside the 30 mile hour speed limit of this town. And we as elders, we're not happy, but we're not content with that. It is, I am so, and I've said this recently to a number of people, I am so thankful for our church family here. Like, it is unreal to be part of our church family. It is a brilliant church family. But we want people in this town to be part of this church family as well. And we need to be known amongst people in this town. 
so that we can help them, so that we can help them in their loneliness, so that we can introduce them to Jesus. And so can you please be praying and get behind this Christmas event? Because this is probably one of the best opportunities that we have had as Cornerstone Church to actually make contact with those in our local town and community. So please be praying for, the, for that as well. Now, we are in Matthew 6 this morning again, so we're continuing on in our studies um, on the Sermon on the Mount. So if you have your Bible, please keep it open or your phone, keep it, whatever, unlocked or whatever it is. Um, I don't know if you've ever, uh, you've probably used this term, well, sure, the heart was in the right place. Right, so you've maybe used that term, and um, maybe it's been with someone that, um, maybe it's been with someone that you've, someone has done something for you, and uh, you haven't done a great job, and you're like, well, at least the heart was in the right place. Or maybe it's actually someone who's hurt you, and uh, done something that was hurtful, and you've got to the point, and you say, well, okay, well, at least I think, think the heart was in the right place. So they've done a bad job. But at least the heart was in the right place. Well, in Matthew 6, Jesus is, uh, he's going to warn the people here about sort of the opposite of that. Because they maybe did something that was good and looked good, but actually their heart was in the wrong place. And Jesus wants to warn um, these, the people about this. And so what he's going to do is he's going to address um, over chapter 6, going to address three of the main sort of Jewish practices, religious practices. And he's going to sort of um, try to um, help them to, to see that in doing those good practices that can look good on the outside, and even to themselves can look good, Jesus wants to drill into their hearts and into their motives. Because he says what can happen is it can look right, the right thing, but actually your heart's actually in the wrong place. And if your heart's in the wrong place, then it's worthless what you're doing. And it's actually even dangerous. See, God is, God is much more interested in the why question than the what question. He's more, much more interested in why we're doing something rather than what we're actually doing. So what is important, um, the what we do is important, but we can be involved in all types of really good things, all types of great things. In church here, we can be involved in all types of good things. Outside church, we can be involved in all types of good things that are good in and of themselves. But if our reason for doing them is wrong, then we're really just busy fools. We're really just, in many ways, wasting our time. And so Jesus wants to teach the people here and obviously teach us about the things we do and our heart in them. And so this, today we're going to look at just with the first of those um, sort of religious practices that the people were involved in, the Jewish practices, and that is the giving of alms or the giving um, to the poor. And so um, Emily read those verses, uh, verses 1 to 4 in uh, Matthew 6, and that's where we'll be this morning. And so there's um, a trusty three things that I have to get through in a short period of time this morning. So um, we're going to just step away through them briefly. Here's the first will be um, giving to the poor was expected of the people. It was just a given. And then we're going to look at the, um, how not to give and then how to give. 
but some sort of real kind of practical help at the end. So that's where we're going to go this morning. So first thing, um, giving to the needy is expected. So Jesus says here in verse 2, thus when you, when you give to the needy. So he doesn't say if you give to the needy. He just says whenever you give to the needy. Because giving to the needy um, was just something in Jewish culture that was just a given. It was just a given that everyone does. And if you go right back to, if you turn over in your Bibles to Deuteronomy 15. So just flick back to Deuteronomy 15. Even way back here, you can see how this was just uh, an expected part of Jewish culture. Deuteronomy 15 verse 11. It says, For there will never cease to be poor in the land. So that, there's the first bit. We've been hearing from, from Job a cap. This verse is true. Thousands of years later, this verse still stands true because we have poor and we have those that are needy in our land. It says, Therefore, I command you, You shall open wide your hand to your brother, to the needy, and to the poor in your land. We are to to be open-handed in all that we have. The people here were to be open-handed with what they have. We see this teaching in in the New Testament as well in many places. One is 1 John 3, 17, where it says, But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Jesus is saying, if you're not an open-handed person, then I would question if God's love even abides in you. So that's how strongly Jesus feels about this. Now, some, some of us will have an open-handed. Some of us will have maybe nothing in it. Some of us will have little in it. Some of us will have loads in our hand to give. But the point is not in what's in our hand. The point is in the posture of our hand. God wants us to be people who are just open-handed with what we have open-handed with whatever we have. Don't hold on too tightly to what you have. Be open-handed with it. And so that's the first point. Giving to the needy was expected of the people here, and it's still expected of us today. It's just a given for us as believers. So then let's look at how, first of all, not to give. How not to give. Look at verse 2. For thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. So he's saying, don't be like the hypocrites. So the hypocrites, you've probably heard this before, that word hypocrite comes from sort of the, the, um, the stage performers who would have worn various masks at different points during the performance to act out different roles. And so Jesus said, don't be a stage performer. Right? Don't be an actor. Don't be a hypocrite. Don't, we, we would say, it talks about blowing trumpets here, and we've used that term still, don't we? Don't blow your own trumpet. Nobody likes someone who blows their own trumpet. Sure you don't. We, especially in, in Northern Ireland. We don't like that at all. Like, I think you go to some other countries, and they don't even realize they're doing it. But then they come here, and they blow their own trumpet, and we're instantly just like, I'm not even listening to them. Because I can't stand that. All right, so don't, don't be a, a trumpet blower as in blowing your own trumpet. Don't give to be praised by others or seen by others. Either the person you're given to or people around you. This is what Jesus is trying to say. Why, why is he saying this? Well, he says their praise will be your reward. 
Now, for those who aren't Christians, the praise of man and the praise maybe of the person you've given to or the praise of others, that's going to be enough for them. Maybe that's all they're expecting. And so when they give and somebody says, oh, man, did you see what they gave that? That's a, that was really unreal that you were so generous and gave that. Or the person you gave to, they say, that is so brave. You're so generous and giving. That, that's maybe enough for the non-Christian. They go away thinking, done a good deed today. I'm happy. But for us as believers, that's not enough for us. That is not what we want, right? See, the non-believers, their aim is just to glory in themselves or others, their self-glory or glory in others. That's, that's their aim. But whenever we become a believer, our aim becomes different then, right? Because our goal now is not to glory in self, but to glory in God. So when you, when you think back to, I always think back to the short catechism, like it was just drilled into me at, um, at church. Um, and at the time, I hated it being drilled into me. But now, it's, I can see the benefit, right? But the very first one, probably loads of people would even know. Actually, I don't even know. Would loads of people know? Hands up who knows the, the, the first question in the Shorter Catechism. I think it was the first one. I'll tell you what the question is. Man's, what is man's chief end? Oh, there's some. See, the younger people are like, sorry, catechism, what? What is it? Yes, man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And then you get, did anybody learn the proofs? The scripture proofs? Oh, just didn't do it right. I had to learn the proofs then. Now give me the verses that back that up and you had to quote them. So here's some of the verses, just for your information. One's in 1 Corinthians 10, 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. And there was Romans eleven thirty six. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. See, if our, if, our, if our desire in our giving stops with the praise of others around us, then, yes, do you know what? That, that might satisfy us in some way for a bit. It might satisfy us in that moment. But here, I'm sure you've noticed these as well, but there's some things that I have noticed about the praise um, of man. And here's the first one. Uh, the praise of man is extremely short-lived. Right? I don't know if you've been in that situation where, you know, You've, you've thought about this, and you've, and you've really, it's like I need a sacrifice, and you've, right, okay, I've, I'm going to give generously to this person or this. And, and they'll maybe thank you at the time, but boy, how quickly do they forget it then? How quickly do they forget it? <clears throat> and so it's extremely short-lived. And then the other thing is, the praise of man rarely meets our expectations, Right, so you've, you've thought about this, and you, maybe you've even prayed about this, and you've thought, no, I think I need to give this to this person, I need to do this, okay. And you build yourself up, and you think, oh my goodness, like, when I, they're going to be so amazed, they're going to be so happy, and they're going to be so thankful and all. And then you go to the person, and you give them, and they're like, oh, thanks. And you're like, in your mind, you're like, is that it? Is that all? I, I mean... I have thought about this for a long time, and you're just saying, thanks. And you may have even been in the position where you thought, I wouldn't mind taking that back, I'll be quite honest. I actually shouldn't even give it in the first place, if that's all I got out of this. Thanks. Rarely meets expectations. 
And so it's always disappointing. The praise of man is, is a cheap and extremely temporary reward that promises lows and gives little. And Jesus says here that there's a better reward that is given by God. There's a better reward to work for it that is given by God. It's a perfect reward and it's an eternal reward. And so don't do things to be seen of man. Rather, do it, do it to be seen. Do it in front of that, that audience of one. So when we're giving, when we're giving out of a generous heart, that's to remember that we're doing this before God, in God's presence, and for Him and for His glory alone, because we're not like others. Our aim now is to glory in God and to glorify Him. And so given's expected. This is how not to do it, but then let's look more positively now how to give. Look at verse 3. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. And so do it in such a way, do it in such a way that, first of all, others don't even really see it at all. Now, this, this, the origin of this, it could be that, you know, when the, the they were found into the temple that there was a box was on the right-hand side to give to the poor. And it was sort of like, you know, don't your left hand know what your right hand is doing? It, it may be that, but it's, it's not really overly important. The important part is what's the teaching behind it. And so Jesus is saying here, do, don't, don't, whenever you're given, do all you can to do it without others seeing. Right? Without others seeing. Hide it as much as possible. Because if you don't, what will happen is you run the risk of, Others admiring you in your giving, and then you admiring their admiration. So others admiring you, and then you admiring their admiration of you too much. And then you get self-conceited. But I think this verse, I think this verse also means that we should give in such a way that, that we don't take too much notice of it ourselves even. So that, let me explain it. Matthew Henry says it like this that we must not observe it too much ourselves. The left hand is a part of ourselves. We must not within ourselves take, too much, take notice too much of the good we do, must not applaud and admire ourselves. Self-conceit and self-complacency and an adoring of our own shadow are branches of pride as dangerous as vain glory. See, I think we can, even if others don't see it, even if others maybe don't notice, we've hidden it from others, there's still, there's still a danger that in ourselves we can be sort of patting ourselves in the back and applauding ourselves and, and thinking, being content because we have done something good. And so Jesus is warning the people here, and he warns us the same, don't dwell too much on it yourself. Right? Don't dwell too much because you can become self-conceited and you can become puffed up. Now, I don't know about you, but I think this is all extremely difficult. I think if you, and if, I think if you really drill into your own heart in our giving, I think it's, ve- it's very hard to do it and not desire someone to see that you've 
given this. I think it's very hard to do that. It's very hard to keep your own heart right where you're like, oh, like I, I don't want to be patting myself on the back here, but I do think, oh, I kind of want to pat it. It's like, come on, don't do it. Right? I think it's a really, I think it's really, these are really difficult verses to do, to follow, because they really get deep into our hearts. And so, as I finish, here's some, um, here's some practical things which may help us in this, which may help us. Practical things that may help us to give freely and joyfully, because it's not what God wants. God desires the joyful giver. Right? And so in order to be a joyful giver, we have to be a free giver who just freely gives and is open-handed. So we want to be not people who are like trying to force our hands open every time to give. We want to be people who joyfully is just like, yes, whatever I have, I'm just going to be open-handed with it. and not going to hold too tightly to it. Because we need to be these people. If we're going to be involved in our community, if we're going to be involved in CAP, we, we need to be those people who do that. Because our aim is to glorify God in it. This is why we like CAP, by the way. This is why we love CAP ministry. Because CAP ministry, their aim is not just to, li- not just to lift people out of poverty, not just to help people in their loneliness, but their ultimate game is to introduce them to Jesus. So their ultimate aim is to glorify God in all of this. And this is why we love to partner with CAP ministry. Because their goal is like our goal, to see God glorified. But how can we be these people who give freely without taking credit for ourselves and without being seen by others? Here's the first thing. I think it's helpful to realize that in our giving, what you have isn't your own. So what we have isn't ours. And I know we've been taught this before, but it's a, it's a, we constantly, we constantly get back to this thing where we, we, we think, I've worked hard for that. And so, that's mine. That's mine. But nothing we have, right? Nothing you own, nothing we have is ours. It is all a gift. It's all being gifted to us by God. And so, whenever we think like that and begin to think, hang on, so, so what I have is in mine. Well, then why on earth would I be holding on to it? I think that it's helpful. It, it helps us to, to be people who just let go of what we have then because it's not even mine to, ho- to hold on to. And so realize um, that what you're giving isn't actually ours. What I'm giving isn't mine. It's just God's. We're just, we're just passing it on. We're just handing it on to someone else then. Second thing is, have it, have it your purpose. Have it our purpose to that the receiver ultimately sees that this gift is ultimately from God and not from me. It's ultimately from God and not from me. And so when you're, when you're thinking maybe about how you can be generous with what you have, pray that God will help as you give to this person, that they will help, uh, they will see that what you're given is actually sourced from God and not from you. You're just like the conduit that's sort of handed over. You're just the person handed over. But ultimately, the giver is God. He is the one that is supplied. You see, it's... Um, pray that whenever we, we, whenever we 
that give to someone, that yes, we want them to be touched by our kindness, right? We want them to be touched by your kindness and encouraged, encouraged that someone would even think of them, and that can be a huge encouragement to them. Think, um, encouraged that someone would care for them and think about them in this way, but ultimately, we want them to be convinced that it was the sovereign Lord who in his infinitely powerful and meticulous watchfulness and care of them put a plan in place where they would their need would be met on that very occasion. Because see, if we, can, if we can help them to see that actually it was God who met your need here, then the next time they're in need, they're not going to be looking down their phone to try and find us, our number, or they're not going to be hoping that they're going to run into us in the street someday, or they're not going to be hoping that somehow it comes up in open conversation that, you know, something about, well, how are you, how's your finances, how's things, and then you can say, well, actually, it's not great. They're not going to be looking around for us, because they're, all they're going to do is say, well, it was from God, my need was met by God the last time, and so it'll be met by Him again, so I'm just going to take it straight to Him, and let's see who He uses this time. But that's, but, so whenever we're given to someone who is in need, let's try, and we can't, we're not in control of that, but let's pray, at least have it our heart's desire as we're given to them, that as we give to them, that they will see that this is not actually from me, this is just from God. And that then deflects any glory of us onto God as well. But our hearts need to be in the right place then before we give. Our motive has to be right. What do we actually want in our giving to people? What do we ultimately want out of that? Do we want people to glory in us, or do we want people to glory in God? Thirdly, the last day, if possible, <clears throat> don't even tell the person you're giving to that it's from you. Now, I'll be honest, the jury's a wee bit out in this one with me. The whole anonymous giving. Um, traditionally, I'm not a massive fan of anonymous giving. And the reason is why I'm not a, well, I wasn't an, a massive fan, and by the way, the jury's still out in it, is because it leaves the person there and guessing, I wonder who did that? And they're constantly trying to rack their brains. Maybe it was him. Maybe it was her. Maybe it was, I'm not that sure who it was. And, the, and, and they spend all the time trying to figure out who actually it was, like some kind of mystery. But I can also see the positives in it, that then that, that leaves it as impossible for anybody to glory in you and you can just give it to them without them even noticing. And all these things, what is Jesus trying to do here? He's expecting us to be open-handed. Right? That's a given. If we're not open-handed with what we have, well, Jesus would question our faith. But he says, when you're open-handed, don't, don't desire glory to be on you. Make sure that all glory is deflected onto God. Now, we can never perfectly do this, right? So let's just level, level things out. We're, none of us <clears throat> will ever give perfectly and perfectly give all glory to God. Right? Well, not. And don't, certainly don't use this as an excuse not to give. Just give. Just do it and allow God to shape us as we're given. Tim Keller said this. 
If you wait until your motives are pure and unselfish before you do something, you'll wait forever. So our motives will never be perfect, in our, even in our giving. But can we at least pray that God gives us a radically generous heart? A radically generous heart that wants to just give, whether it's of our finances or whether it's of our time or whatever it is, just to be people who give. This is what we want. This is, what, this is who we want to be in this, in this town. That's why one of our core values is radical generosity. Because we want this, people to see that we're different. We've been transformed by Jesus. And that's why we're excited about camp ministry. This is why we're excited about this Christmas event. Because this is an opportunity for us to be radically generous to those around us. To meet those who need Jesus. To meet those who need a church family to help them. And so... Can we be praying into these things, praying about cap? Are there ways that we can help Joe? Is there ways that we can partner alongside Joe? Are there ways that you can help with this Christmas event? And let's be a church who are known in this town for their radical generosity. Let me pray um, as, uh, as we enter into communion. Let me pray for us in this. God, None of this is easy. In fact, it's all impossible without you. And so will you come and help us to be people who are open-handed with what we have, with whatever that is, with whatever that, whether that is a small portion, large portion, whatever it is, just Help us to have that posture of open-handedness. And God, I pray that you'll help us to be a blessing to those in this town. Help us to be conduits of your generosity. God, I pray that as we are generous to those around us, that people will see you in that Please, God, protect us from becoming self-conceited. Please, God, protect this church from, um, or people in this town from thinking that, simply thinking that Cornerstone Church are a really generous church, and that's it. God, you've said, let your light shine before men so that they can see your good works and glorify their Father who is in heaven. God, ultimately, we want your name to be glorified in this town, not the name of Cornerstone Church. And so, God, I pray that that will be the case. That that will be the case. Thank you for your generous love and grace towards us. God, thank you that you ever stooped down that you ever came down from the perfection of heaven into this world, you became poor so we could become rich in Christ. Help us to have that same mindset in us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.